This is the Senior Living Truth Series podcast, where we have candid conversations about complex issues facing today's mature adults. No sales pitch, only the truth. I'm Dr. Nikki Buckaloo. Welcome to the show. All right, so let's get on with the topic. Um, some of you may be wondering who our expert panelists are. Um, well, we don't have any today, and here's why. So I did reach out to a number of local and state area physicians and um, scheduling wise and maybe just even interest wise didn't have a lot of people that were interested. Let me tell you what I took away from that. A couple of things. One, they're already talking about it online, a lot of them, and for them to do yet another web interview um, is not always very exciting. And I get that because I get asked to speak a lot and sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. Um, one of the physicians who would have been glad, will gladly have come on with us. His name is Dr. Noel Williams. Some of you may be familiar with him. He's done a couple of, uh, panels with us at Spanish Cove on, uh, medical marijuana and he's, online a lot. So he does a lot of YouTube videos. He's actually my physician as well. And he just came back from vacation. His uh, patient load was obviously backed up. So taking time off in the morning wasn't possible. But I'll tell you what, I want to make sure everyone looks him up. Uh, I actually watched his latest video this morning on YouTube. Um, it was, uh, September 8th was the last video. So that would have been a couple days ago. And he does one about once or twice a week, maybe more often, depending on what's going on. And you can literally just go to YouTube on the internet or on your phone. If you have an app for YouTube, Y O U tube, and then type in, in the search function, type in Noel, N O E L Noel Williams. MD and he'll come up. He has uh, his company or his uh, medical practice is called Optimal Health uh, Associates, Optimal Health Associates. He did on the September 8th video, he has some really great information and it's, he starts out pretty technical and I thought, oh good Lord, this is not going to be for me. But then he got past the technical part of it and started speaking in human language again. Um, but the reason that I really like his videos on COVID specifically is he, um, maybe I like him because he's a lot, we're a lot alike in that we both like to read and understand from the sources, not from the news media or these people who are trying to spin the original data. He reads, I don't even know how many articles he's reading every week tons and tons of medical articles on research that's being done, current research that's being done on COVID. And then he takes that research, extrapolates it out to how it applies to us because those articles are written for other doctors and other medical people. He takes it and then says, okay, here's what we need to do about that data. Here's what we should do with it. Um, whether it has to do with medications, whether it has to do with prevention or treatment, whether it has to do with a certain age segment or a certain comorbidity. He basically says, okay, this is what I learned from this article. This is what this article had as it related to lots of research being done. And here's what you as a consumer need to know about it. That's what I, I really appreciate about his videos. So if you have any trouble 
locating that again, Naomi or I can direct you in the right place. I actually think Naomi, we may need to start sharing his uh, videos on our uh, senior living truth series, Facebook page as well, because he is an Oklahoma doctor. Um, he is not, I would say he's not biased by one party or the other. So he's not in the political spectrum and he's not having to cater to any particular medical group. Um, he has his own medical group, so he doesn't need to make everybody happy. So he just tells it like it is. And unlike some of these uh, more evangelical doctors out there that are kind of branding themselves as the know-it-alls in medicine, he's, he's very humble and, uh, and funny to watch sometimes too. So anyway, for whatever it's worth, um, that's why we don't have a panel. So what am I going to talk about? I'm not a COVID expert. I'm not a doctor, um, not an epidemiologist. And so what am I going to talk about? Well, you know, my area is psychology. I am all about the, the mental health and the psychological effects of COVID. So I thought, let's talk about something I know. Let's talk about something I am familiar with. And the truth of the matter is you are too. Um, there isn't a single person on the call today that this is not going to ring true for some of what we're going to talk about. Now, before I do, um, let me bring up one, one thing. Um, I, <laughs> I was talking to Curtis at uh, Arvest uh, yesterday or day before, and he and I were talking about, he reminded me of something called confirmation bias, which is a uh, psychological term used out there in the sales world as well as the the counseling and, and clinical practice world but confirmation bias is essentially this whatever I believe I'm going to seek out things that confirm that okay so um, if I believe that COVID is gonna make me sick and if I believe that masks are good then I'm going to read everything. I'm going to take in all the information. I'm going to, I'm going to seek out the advice that confirms that to be true. And anything else contradicting that is going to be disregarded or, or argued, right? Because the, I have a, I have a bias, right? And consequently, one of the, the challenges is that <laughs> we all have it and we don't even realize we have it. And let me give you, this is not confirmation bias, but it is a little bit uh, relative to this. My daughter, uh, Dakota just recently had her third child and she had him in Austin and we were living in Austin, all of us, when she um, got her cell phone, we all have 512 area codes on our cell phones and that's the numbers we've kept all these years. And she moved from Austin to Oklahoma for a while and then back. And we were talking about uh, some of the research she had done on episiotomies um, as it relates to whether she should, you know, if she, if they need to do one or not, and also on uh, epidural for the medication. So she could Google search something about that topic from her phone or her computer. I could do the same thing from my phone or my computer, and we are going to get two entirely different sets of data. Um, research search search um, results mainly because of our history of what we've searched because of the uh, stored information on our systems our computers our phones but also if she's if 
if, she, if her phone is based in Austin, Texas, her 512 area code and her emails and everything else are all associated with that geographic location, then the information she's going to get is going to be filtered through that. So the, the search is in and of itself customized, if you will, for the person. So what's happening is we're all being, we're all being given information that is designed for us, essentially, like the information they think we need in order to confirm our already established beliefs. They use that in the commercials and ads that they do for everything. They use it in our news media. Uh, if you watch the local news in Oklahoma, it's going to be different than the local news in, say, Colorado, somewhere, Denver, or Austin, Texas, uh, as an example. So when we are getting information about COVID, the information we are receiving about COVID, frankly, sometimes is not accurate. It may be designed to, for political reasons. Um, this isn't a conspiracy theory. It's just marketing 101. It may be designed for other purposes besides just information. So from the psychology standpoint, every message, every public service announcement Everything that you see on television or in the paper or online should be questioned. And I'm not saying argue with it. I'm not saying some of it's not accurate. I'm saying that you should ask yourself, where did it come from? Why was it written? Who is it meant to serve? And what is the intended purpose of that particular piece of information? Um, I will tell you that, you know, Jill and Don Blos, Jill Huff and Don Blos and her team out at uh, Spanish Cove, as well as other senior communities, I'm sure, but I just know about Spanish Coves because I've, I've had several clients share it with me out there. Facts, not fear. They're doing this regular publication. And the reason they were doing it was because the residents were watching the news or reading the paper as uh, COVID was kind of evolving. And the information, this is another psychology thing. So the information we take from any source, we automatically generalize it to ourselves. So if the paper says this happened or could happen to someone in this age group, then it could happen to me. We generalize it. Our, our brains are actually very selfish. They actually make everything about us. Have you ever had um, a time when someone you walked up and someone was whispering to somebody else and then when you walked up they went like oh my gosh I hope she didn't hear me or he didn't hear me your brain automatically thinks to yourself oh that must have been about me right that's not just a self-conscious thing that's just a phenomenon of psychology even though it may have had nothing to do with you so similarly when you read an article uh, see a post uh, see something online you think oh that must also be true for me. It's not, which is one of the reasons that Spanish Cove put that uh, regular publication out. They wanted to say, hey, this is specific information to the people who live here. This isn't relative to every other community in the area. It's not relative to other parts of the state. It's not relative to the United States generally. This is about us, our little group of people right here. And we all, I think, are subject to this generalization and this confirmation bias in that as we're watching television or we're listening to people talk, 
we, we take on information that sometimes isn't meant for us. Okay. Now that said, that can be helpful or that can be hurtful sometimes. So just again, I'm going to come back to that, but pay attention to how your brain interprets the information that you're hearing rather than just watching it or listening to it and moving on. Ask yourself, what do I think about that? Like, what is my take on that subject? Does that make sense? Let me give you a really good example of some information that was taken from, uh, and I, I contemplated this and I thought, I cannot recall the person who shared this story with me. And it's probably a good thing because I don't want to throw them under the bus. But here's how the story went. So this, this person was telling me, my dad, he said, my dad is in his you know, 80s or 90s, lives, lives uh, out of state. And they were talking on the phone the other day and he asked his dad, how's he, how he was doing. And they were just conversing and the dad, his dad said, my hands hurt. And he said, why do your hands hurt? He said, well, I've been washing them so many times a day that they're just, they're, they're raw and they hurt. And he said, well, why are you washing your hands so many times every day? And he said, well, you're supposed to, to keep safe and to avoid getting COVID. Now, the context of this was interesting because I thought, well, that's, that's logical. That's what we're supposed to do. Right. And he said, well, he said, you know, my dad is self self um, quarantining. He's staying at home. He's not leaving the house and they're, they have, they aren't going out. So he's not getting germs from outside. Nobody's coming in either. So he said his, to his dad, he said, you dad, you don't need to wash your hands that many times a day. If you're staying home, it's really for people who are going out and might be, you know, getting germs on their hands and then touching their face, um, you know, or touching other things and spreading it. He said, so if you're in your own house, there's really no germs to be afraid of. And he said, oh, well, no, no, no. They told me to be safe. You should wash your hands multiple times a day. So I'm going to keep doing that. So we think to ourselves, well, gosh, that's, you know, common sense says that you shouldn't have to wash your hands multiple times a day if you're not coming into contact with germs. But this gentleman, he, he heard something and he said, that applies to me. It applies to everybody. So I'm going to do it. He didn't think about, and still, even after being told, is feels safer by washing his hands all the time, every day, even to the point his hands hurt. He, you know, my dad has really dry hands, so I'm guessing, you know, if I if I think like that, if I wanted to generalize, I think, gosh, he probably has cracks and it's probably itchy, and probably isn't necessarily good for him. But yet, that's what he's doing. A lot of people are doing that. A lot of people are generalizing their behaviors based on information that was not meant for them. So that brings us to seniors, right? Seniors specifically. Um, you know, I've had lots of conversations with folks about this, and uh, there's one thing that I think most of us will agree on, and that is not everyone age 65 and older is the same. Okay, can we all agree on that? Um, not everyone 50 and older is the same. We're all very different. Are there some similarities? Possibly. But we've all met people who are 90 or 95 years old who are the picture of health, take no medications, exercise avidly, don't have to go to the doctor, their blood pressure's in check, their cholesterol's good, their weight is good, they have no sugar problems. We've all met them. There are plenty of people out there that are up in years 
that are healthy. Um, we've also all met people that are in their younger years, say 30s, 40s, 50s, who are obese, high blood pressure, cholesterol issues, diabetes, and the list goes on. And they take lots of medication and don't ever exercise and live off of Brahms hamburgers. So the way that COVID has been positioned is that the vulnerable population is 65 and older. And then you get this little side note. If they have underlying health conditions or other problems, if, right? But then there's the question mark, well, how do I know? Maybe I don't have a healthy body. Maybe I just think I do. Maybe I should be more careful. Um, and then there's the, but I don't want to get anybody else sick. So I have a spouse maybe who does have underlying conditions. Well, that makes perfect sense. Then you're not just protecting yourself, you're protecting them. So the, the world of uh, ageism, if you wanted to go down that path of sociology and talking about the, um, how people of certain ages are treated differently than everyone else, we have taken some steps backward. We really have. Um, the word elderly was rarely used before COVID, really rarely used. Um, people were called older adults. They were called seniors. Um, they were called mature. There were, there were all different words being used until COVID. And now all of a sudden, anybody over the age of 60 or 65 is elderly. And I'm going to guess just knowing my audience and the people who are on this call that uh, that you guys will agree that elderly does not suit you. Right. Uh, my stepdad just turned 65 this year and I went with him to some appointments and uh, one of them being a, a doctor's appointment. And he uh, he's sitting there and the doctor said, well, we don't use this particular medication in the elderly. And I looked at her and I looked at him and I looked at her and I thought, did he hear that? Like, did he hear her just call him elderly? And she didn't even call him elderly. She spoke as if he wasn't in the room. We don't use this medication, not with people like at your age or with the elder, the elderly, like it's like the elderly doesn't really have a personality. And I said, well, you know, he's only 65. And she said, yeah, anybody 65 or older is considered elderly as it relates to this drug. So here's what's funny. I said, you know, he was using it yesterday, right? Like last month. So he could use it when he was 64 and 11 months. But now that he's 65, he can't use it. And it's like, that just didn't quite make sense to me. But the answer was yes. She could not prescribe it because it was not, um, I guess, normed, right? This, the research didn't show that it was safe for him to take now that he was a month older or a day older. So guys, we're getting, you know, doctors are having to be really literal um, because of lawsuits, frankly, right? They're, they're very literal because it's just one word or one day or one hour, one dosage, one milligram from the the approved whatever can get them in trouble. And so we're seeing this happen. Um, I had uh, inquired about, you know, this whole thing as it relates to medical stuff with several doctors, you know, what should seniors 65 and older say retirees be doing 
uh, to prevent uh, COVID. And they started talking to me about the treatment. And I said, no, 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 I'm not talking about treatment. I'm talking about prevention. And that was the other thing is that their, their brains are all about fixing problems. And if you don't have COVID, you're not a problem. If you don't have COVID, you don't need to be fixed. So many of these physicians, I'm not going to say all, are only focusing on the cure, the treatment, um, and maybe a vaccine, obviously, as ultimate prevention. But they're not talking about the things that you could be doing to stay healthy. Now I want to talk about what healthy means. Uh, early on in COVID, we recognized that everyone needed to just kind of slow their roll right? Stop going out. Let's close the restaurants. Let's close the big venues. Let's, let's shut everything down. Not because they didn't want people to get sick, but because if too many people got sick, we wouldn't have enough hospitalization uh, beds, hospital beds, ventilators, that kind of thing. It wasn't about the number of people who got sick. It was about the number of people we could treat. So now here we are, you know, fast forward um, three, four months, we're still in large part closed down. A lot of the things are closed down. Some are open now, but they're not talking about hospital beds anymore because there's plenty of hospital beds. Now they're talking about no one getting it. Like we don't want anybody to get it. We don't want anybody to be sick. And they've gone from uh, telling us to stay home because there's not enough hospital beds to telling us to stay home because it's not safe to go out. And I, again, the psychology in my mind is like, what's the purpose? Like, what is the, what's the purpose behind this? And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so I'm not going to go down that path. This isn't for me political and it isn't like somebody's trying, doesn't, somebody doesn't have a specific agenda necessarily and they may, I don't know, but there's just something wrong with the messaging because what we know right now, every day. There is a group, actually, if you wanted to follow it on Facebook, those of you who are on Facebook, it's called uh, Caregivers for Compromise. And there's a group called Oklahoma Caregivers for Compromise. It's an offshoot of the national group. And people are talking about loved ones that they have in nursing centers, uh, healthcare, mainly nursing or assisted living, where people can't get out and they can't go in to visit. And so people are dying every single day of literal isolation, right? Their bodies are just kind of shrinking, shriveling up, and they're just passing. And so to me, the psychology here is really interesting. Um, those of you who know me know that not only do I have my degrees in psychology, but I've also studied extensively neurolinguistic programming and the mind-body connection. And what we know is that what we're thinking about pervasively, maybe even go so far as to say obsessing about, oftentimes we manifest. Um, we also know that human connection and, um, and uh, touch, human touch, um, are central to feeling alive and feeling love and feeling uh, human, right? And what we've done is we've taken a segment of the population and said it's not safe to touch them, to be near them, and it's not safe to have them in, you know, less than six feet distance. Um, 
And so people are dying um, every day and they're giving up. They're giving up. And the only thing that was really keeping them going was the fact that they had a son, a daughter, a friend, a neighbor, a grandchild, someone came regularly. And maybe it was a nurse even. And nurses are being told, you know, they can't love on these people like they used to. Um, they, they don't have physical touch. And so think about what happens to um, inmates in prisons that are put in solitary confinement. After a period of time, they literally go crazy. They go crazy um, by, from being alone. Not, it's not about imprisonment. It's about the, the aloneness in solitary confinement. Now, obviously, uh, people in nursing centers are not completely alone. There's staff and things like that in and out. But imagine only just a small feeling that's comparable to that. And then those of you, by the way, know people as well. It may not be you specifically, but you know someone who has not left their home since March. We have adults who are 65 and older, uh, usually widowed, who have taken so literally the advice of the experts, whoever the expert is that they're watching or listening to, or a son or a daughter or someone, and they have not left their home. Um, for folks who have things like Parkinson's disease, um, MS, or other degenerative illnesses, the lack of exercise alone is going to increase the likelihood of them, you know, getting worse faster. So the psychology that I talk about here is about what is your brain doing and what is it that you're thinking about daily as it relates to COVID, no matter what your age, even, I mean, like I said, I got into a really low place for a while and I can tell you that it wasn't my health. It was my thinking. It was my thinking. I was in a negative space. So I'm going to show you something that's really interesting. Um, let's see here. Let me pull this up. This comes from kind of the law of attraction, but it also is a, uh, oops, hang on. That's the wrong one. Let me get it pulled up here. Close that one. And okay. So let's see. Now let me get back to where I was. So, I, all right. So I want to share my screen. And then I want to show that one. All right. So now let me put it up on the full screen. All right. Naomi, text me if you see that. Okay. All right. Okay. So um, this is what's called the emotional guidance system. And it is, um, it, it has to do with our, our feelings and our thoughts. Our thoughts, you know, cause our feelings. And so if we are, uh, in if we're in an upward spiral area, so if we're feeling joy, freedom is the top. So freedom, let me just clarify what freedom meaning, not freedom like U.S. freedom, although that plays a part, but freedom meaning peace of mind, like freedom knowing that um, you are a part of a of a, a bigger picture. Maybe it's um, you're you're thinking to yourself, you know what? If I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm not scared of that. That is ultimate freedom, right? Freedom from fear is really the probably the key element there to that. Um, so you have joy, love, passion, enthusiasm for those who are on the phone and can't see this. I'm just going to read a few of them here. Hopefulness, um, empowerment, eagerness, happiness, optimism, positivity. Those are all things that are uh, in the positive side of our thinking. 
And uh, believe me, I'm going to relate this to COVID. So just, you know, kind of work with me here. On the negative side or going down into what would be called a downward spiral, it starts out with boredom. Boredom is like the midline, right? It's like contentment is a good thing. But when you get into boredom, it's kind of like complacency or, you know, you just really don't have a purpose. You're just going through every day without any any enthusiasm or anything. It's just kind of a flat line in a way. But below boredom is pessimism. That's the first one below boredom. And I, I think that's interesting because there are people who are walking around who are constant pessimists, like constant pessimists. Everything is bad. And then below pessimism, you have frustration, irritation, impatience, worry, doubt, and then about halfway down that downward spiral, you get into anger and then rage and then maybe jealousy, hatred, insecurity, guilt. And then the last one at the bottom of that down, downward spiral, which would be opposite of freedom at the top, is powerlessness. Powerlessness. The place where we go, where we say, you know what? It just doesn't matter anymore. It's the moment that someone decides to commit suicide. It's the moment someone decides to give up. And it's not a giving up because they know they're going to heaven and life is going to be over, but their spirit is going to live on. It's not that kind of giving up because that's freedom, right? Powerlessness is apathy. Powerlessness is there is nothing for me. It's not looking ahead to um, something better. It's nothing matters. I don't matter. Nothing matters. That's kind of the bottom of that downward spiral. And so one of the things that uh, I think happens is people try to go from being irritated, angry, impatient, worried, um, whatever, to happy, joy, 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 right? Like you see these things on Facebook and people post, you know, just be happy. And you're thinking, but I'm not happy right now. I'm irritated. Most of us can't go from irritation straight to love or joy. It's just, a, it's too big of a jump. But the, the theory behind this um, particular model is that if you were to just go up one rung at a time, you will get there. And even if you don't get there, you're helping yourself by not staying in the downward spiral. So for instance, if you're pessimistic about things right now, which I was there for a while, then you need to go from pessimism up to maybe positivity, belief, contentment, or hopefulness, maybe a little optimism. Maybe you have to look for one silver lining. You guys might remember a while back we did, um, the uh, silver lining series early on in the COVID crisis because there was so much negativity and our team was trying to figure out a way to keep people out of that negativity. And all we could think of was, you know, there are silver linings. There are some, so let's point them out. And so I guess without even realizing it, what we did was we went from pessimism and worry to hopefulness and optimism by sharing some of the silver linings that people were finding. So sometimes you need help doing it. Like sometimes you need a friend or a, a boost, right? 
And other times you can do it yourself through reading a book or something like that. And I'll talk about some ways to do it here in a minute. But if you're someone who is consistently finding yourself down in that lower downward spiral, I'm going to tell you how this can impact you with COVID. Okay. Now remember again, not a doctor. So I'm only sharing with you the psychology behind this, but what we know, we, absolutely know and science has shown it time and time again and there are plenty of studies out there that i could cite but i don't have time today to do that that there are connections right so heart disease linked to chronic stress heart disease uh sorry ulcers linked to chronic stress cold sores linked to acute stress and fatigue back pain linked to stress indigestion and heartburn linked to stress Cancer. Cancer has been linked to latent anger, resentment, and all kinds of other negative emotions. So here we are. We're dealing with COVID. Some of you are ultimate optimists and you probably have already checked out by now because you're going, what is wrong with these people? Just get over it. There are some people who get caught in that downward spiral and it might be because of your environment. It might be because the news you're watching. It might be you have someone in your home that is consistently negative and that pulls you down that spiral. Whatever, it, it's a personality too. There are some people who you ask their teachers, you ask their parents, they have been negative their whole entire lives. So it, negativity can happen to the best of us. Circumstances can cause it. Lots of things can, can get us into a negative spiral. But it has been shown that when you are fearful and or you have negative emotions, your body's immune system is not as strong. So this morning I'm listening to Dr. Williams and he's talking about um, the, the main thing that happens with COVID and the reason that COVID uh, affects people differently is has to do with the inflammatory system right the inflammatory nature of our body so if your back hurts chances are they'll say it's inflamed take an ibuprofen right um if you have muscle pain if you have arthritis if you have ulcers those can they say there it's inflamed well so as it turns out this inflammatory problem is the problem with covid is that it causes it and it causes it to the degree that sometimes they can't correct it you get so inflamed, whether it's your lungs or other organs, that they can't fix it. The medications and things like that, sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. But if you're already inflamed, if your body is already having to fight because of the negative emotions that are creating those problems, then you're more, not only are you more susceptible to COVID, right? You might get it easier but it's also gonna be harder for your body to fight if you do get it. So what's the message? I, you know, I mean, in case you missed it, staying healthy is not just about wearing a mask. It's not, it's, it, it's absolutely when you're wearing that mask and I, I have a mask candy here, so okay. So here's me, I go in, I go into the store and or the restaurant and I go, okay, I'm gonna put my mask on. And even though I'm putting my mask on, chances are I'm going to run into some idiot that doesn't have their mask and then I'm going to get it and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to be sick and I could die. Great. Now, that's all going on in my head. Okay, I'm wearing my mask. I'm washing my hands. 
but in my head, I am literally attracting or manifesting, if you really wanted to go out a little bit further down that path, a disease process or the potentiality of it. So some of you are going, wow, that's a little far reaching, Nikki. And you, that's fine because you just tapped into your confirmation bias that says, the only thing that works is masks and hand washing and staying away from people. So back to my original conversation, if that idea to you, if you just checked out, then what you did was you literally said, what she's saying can't be true because it doesn't match what I believe. Just think about that for a second. What if it is true? Because again, mainstream medicine does not put this out there. They don't put it out there because it doesn't sell drugs. If you could heal yourself, you wouldn't need drugs. So why would they sell you ways to heal yourself if they're pushing drugs? Just saying. Again, the psychology, what we've been told, is not always accurate. So if you want to stay healthy, should you wear a mask? Yes. Why? Let me tell you why. We were at Lake Tenkiller this last weekend. And we're pretty conscious and aware of our surroundings. We, we try to be very conscientious, even when we're away. And we're sitting at a table with people we know. And outside, uh, open air, little bit of breeze, uh, being socially aware. And this gentleman comes over to talk to a guy who's with us. He stands on this side of me, and he's yelling across me at him. No mask. Me, no mask, because I'm eating. And I look up into kind of the sunlight and the guy is yelling and I see spittle, right? Little, little spit coming out of his mouth through, you know, cause there's a glare and you can see it. And I was like, Oh my God. Okay. So dude, would you please go around me? Right? Not because I think he has COVID. I don't know if he has COVID, but what I know is that they're telling me this is transmitted by bodily fluids, mostly coughing, sneezing, um, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe also the, the hand touching. But here's the deal, guys. If he'd have been wearing a mask, there would have been no spittle, right? There would have been no spewing. There would have been none of that. He would have had a mask, which would have kept that in for him, and it would not have affected me. Um, we need to be wearing masks and the kids are not wearing them. Uh, college kids. We know that it's been all over the internet. Um, those of us who are in the senior care industry where we're in and out of um, places where people are sick are being very conscientious and aware and taking um, precautions. I say all, not all. I was at a networking group last night and there was a bunch of people there that work in that field who didn't have masks on in a group. Um, so, is it important for you to wear a mask? That's up to you. Um, but you can wear a mask and still be scared to death and not be doing yourself as much good, or you can wear a mask and be confident that you're taking care of yourself. The other things that Dr. Noel Williams talks about is things like zinc, um, fish oil, um, multivitamins, things that you can take that shouldn't affect your other medications. He talks about that. And what that does is it basically gives your immune system a boost um, to fight off any germs that you might take in. 
And by doing that, you're basically helping. So let's say somebody's not wearing a mask and they do have spittle and you do breathe it in and they do have COVID, all those things have to coalesce. But if your immune system is strong, it can fight it off. A uh, good example of that, uh, if you are one of these people that get cold sores, like I get cold sores in the winter time a lot, not just in the winter, it's usually the result of me being overly tired, overly stressed, and not getting enough sleep. And I can feel them coming on, like I know when they're coming, like you don't see it yet, but I can kind of feel a tickle. But there is a uh, medication for herpes viruses that you can take, and I basically take two doses of that all at one time as soon as I notice it and guess what it never comes through because I kill it before it has an opportunity to actually show up in full force on my lip well guess what our our immune system works that way and so again I'm not a doctor I'm going by what Dr. Williams says but it makes sense more so than washing your hands 10 times a day in your own home when nobody else is there in or out right so think about the things that make sense the other thing that from this whole thing that is amazing to me that nobody's talking about is all the comorbidities the things that uh, covid is taking advantage of let's call it that right so if i'm healthy not really anything else wrong with me i'm probably going to come through this okay right? There's always a chance with everybody. I'm not saying it's 100%, but they're saying more people than not have come through this okay. And I look around at all the people here in Oklahoma who are still smoking, who are still eating crap all the time. They're, they're not taking care of their nutrition. They're not exercising. They're doing all the things. They have high blood pressure, diabetes, all of the things that they're saying COVID thrives on so what are we doing about that you guys so let me ask you this have you totally isolated yourself in your home now you're not exercising now you're not going to the doctor now you're not eating right and if that's true then guess what you're inviting covid into your life right um, and if you do get covid you're you're not only going to get it you're going to be more susceptible to being sick so are you taking your supplements are you taking your vitamin are you exercising are you getting vitamin d either from the sun or if you need it are you getting it through a supplement those are the kinds of things that i i think about because i'm talking to people who are sitting in their homes watching television so now in assuming you're watching the news some of you are saying you're watching pbs and documentaries that's awesome but if you're watching the news on a regular basis you are literally ingesting negativity you're ingesting pessimism anger resentment frustration all of the things in that negative spiral it's like you're eating it for lunch as, as you're taking it in, instead of taking it in through your mouth, you're taking it in through your ears and your eyes. So I'm just going to just say that I think we've got this one perspective about COVID that is all about the medical stuff that's being talked about. And what's going on between our ears is not being talked about. Have another friend whose mom lives in a senior community in uh, independent living. She's spent a little bit of time in assisted living. She's terrified, terrified, absolutely terrified in her 90s. And I'm like, what is she terrified of? 
Is she terrified of getting COVID? Is she terrified of uh, giving COVID to somebody else? Is she terrified of dying? What is she terrified of? All of it. All of it. She's terrified of getting it. She's terrified of giving it to somebody. She's terrified of somebody bringing it to her. And I'm like, what is it that makes her terrified? And my friend said, she's always been that way. If they tell you to do something, she takes it so literally and says, you've got to do this. And her health has declined significantly in the last several months. And I'm going to continue. She's not gotten COVID. Her, she's, she, she doesn't have any disease processes, but her health has declined. So why would your health decline if nothing else in your life has changed except for you've gone from not worrying about COVID to worrying about it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? You're weaker. You're, you're not as hungry. You're losing weight or gaining weight, right? There's things happening. Your memory's not as sharp. A lot of that can come from just worry and fear and negative energy. And it's really hard to stay out of that mode. So how do you do it? Um, there are a few things here um, that I wanted to just kind of give you. Okay, what relieves stress? By the way, stress, I mentioned all those things that are connected to stress, ulcers, um, cold sores, um, uh, fatigue, uh, all these different things. What relieves stress? Those things can all create stress. Negative emotions create stress. Anxiety creates stress. Fear creates stress. Anger creates stress. All of those energies create stress. Stress is linked to disease. Stress is linked to inflammation. Stress is linked to uh, lots of different diseases. So what relieves stress? Here's a, here's a short list. Faith and prayer. I will tell you the people I've talked to who are strong in their faith, who are praying daily, who are doing devotionals, who are still getting together with small groups of people like with the villages or in their communities, um, either online or in person are, they are as healthy as they've ever been, right? They're not having problems. Meditation, um, similar to prayer, um, without the faith aspect of it. So you just basically, you know, sit alone quietly in contemplation of really nothing, just allowing your mind to be quiet. Physical exercise, clearly we all know that to be the case. Breathing exercises. Um, this is not for just for people with uh, lung disease. Uh, my watch, even my little Apple watch tells me to breathe several times a day. And it's funny because I think, well, of course I'm breathing. I know I'm breathing. I'm alive. But guess what? When I think about it, I realize that my shoulders might be up and that I hadn't exhaled completely in a while. And so breathing exercises can go hand in hand with meditation where you just take several inhales through the nose and out through the mouth. If you can get in a class at one of your um, local gyms or senior communities on Tai Chi or um, other types of um, Yoga is a good one for breathing exercises. Pleasurable activities, things that you enjoy doing, whatever that might be. Nature, nature relieves stress. Why do you think so many people are headed off to the lakes and going to these places? The camping sites are packed right now because people are trying to get back to nature. Um, it, it reduces stress, no doubt. Laughter reduces stress. Um, you should be laughing every day at something or somebody, whatever your preference. Hope. Hope reduces stress. 
um, which would be the anticipation of something positive. Everybody needs to look forward to something, right? Even if it seems small, looking forward to something is what keeps people alive. I will tell you that um, time and time again, you'll see this in uh, lots and lots of anecdotal stories. I don't know if there are studies on it or not, but there are people who are living long enough. They're ill. They have a disease process, something. And they say, I want to live long enough to do X. It might be a grandson's graduation. It might be a daughter's wedding. It might be an anniversary, a birthday. Pick whatever it is, but it's something significant. And they'll say, I just want to live long enough for that. And they do. And then they die within hours, days, or minutes of that event. People thrive by having something to look forward to. Hope. Gratitude. Gratitude. Um, you may, if you follow me on Facebook, you know I've been posting three things I'm grateful for every day. Uh, I do that from time to time. I get in the habit and then I get out of it. Uh, the practice kind of comes and goes. But when I'm in a space where I know I need to get out of my negative head, out of here and into here, I do gratitudes. Um, sometimes that means making phone calls to people. Sometimes it may mean notes to people. Sometimes it may mean um, just going on to my Facebook status and doing it for myself. But gratitude, showing gratitude is, and even if you're just journaling it, is one way to get out of stress. And then saying what you're thinking and expressing yourself. I, I want to kind of end on this point and then I can, I'm happy to take questions or share information. If you guys want to type it into the Q and a, uh, or the chat, we're happy to, to chat about whatever you'd like. If you have questions or thoughts, you just want to share or resources. Uh, what I don't want you to share by the way, is if it's political, it's just going to get deleted. Um, and so just know that we're just not going to go there. Other than that, it's an open forum. Um, saying what you're thinking, expressing yourself. <laughs> I just got through saying, don't put anything political on there. There are people who are squashing their beliefs. They're, they're, and it's usually, um, how, how should I say it? It's usually in good conscience. Like they don't want to hurt someone. They don't want to cause a problem. They don't want to rock the boat. People who have political beliefs are they're they're sharing everything. They're they're really not thinking about how it affects anybody else. They're just sharing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things that directly affect you. For instance, um, if you are in a living situation that is not good for you, and you'd like for it to change, and you're you're daily all you can think about is you want it to change, but you haven't said that to anyone, or you haven't expressed it. Um, in a way that is congruent with how you feel. Like you may say, gosh, I really wish I could go out. Instead of saying not being able to go out is really making me angry or frustrated or whatever the feeling is that you're having. If you're not expressing yourself, then what you're doing is you're stuffing it. You're stuffing it down into whatever part of your body you stuff things. Me, I stuff things into my shoulders and I stuff things into my gut. That's where I notice. And when I'm not speaking my mind and I have a strong thought or a strong, strong um, opinion and I'm not sharing it, guess what happens? I get sick at my stomach or my, my neck and my shoulders and my back start to give me problems. And so if I stop long enough and I notice, gosh, I have, I have this little problem going on, 
99% of the time I can think to myself, what is it that I am not expressing? What is it that I'm holding back? Or worrying about is another way to think about it. Worrying about it, but not doing anything about it. So one of two things either has to happen. You either have to let go of the worry, let go of the thought, let go of the desire, which is really hard to do, or express it. Now, you can express it to a person. You can express it to yourself in a journal. You can express it outwardly to other people. Um, but it really has to get out. And I think that's one of the challenges that we have is people are so afraid right now to express themselves because they're afraid somebody's going to disagree with them. But like I said about the political statement, there's a way to express yourself that doesn't stomp on everybody else, right? There's a way to say, this makes me feel X. If, so, if someone says, um, I, you know, one of the candidates, when they speak, makes me feel X, that's great. But let's not cast it, make it about them, make it about you, right? This is how you feel. It isn't necessarily, you're not trying to make everybody else feel that way. And I think that's the problem that we're having. It's not just COVID. Um, we're dealing with racial tension. We're dealing with uh, sexual harassment. We're dealing with kids going back to school and controversy around that. There's controversy right now around lots of things besides COVID. And so there's lots of opinions being expressed. And what I'm noticing is that the people who are expressing their opinions are healthier than the people who are not. I don't mean they're happier. I'm not saying that. I don't know. I can't, I can't measure that. But there are people who are saying, you know what, Nikki, I haven't been feeling well. I've been tired. Um, my stomach hurts. I've got headaches. Um, I'm gaining weight. I'm losing weight, whatever it is. My question is, what's going on in here? What's going on that you aren't dealing with? Well, what do you mean? Well, what do you, what's going on that you're not dealing with? Well, you know, my husband keeps going out without a mask on and it really scares me and I don't really like it. Well, have you told him that? Well, no, 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 we don't talk about it. Okay, great. So you keep not talking about it and be sick. He's just fine. It's not okay to not express yourself. Doesn't mean that person's going to comply. It doesn't mean that they have to change their behavior, but you do need to get it out and in a healthy way, right? And in a context that makes sense. And because what happens, ladies, you all know this because you've been living this your whole life. What happens is you hold it in until the final straw and then it comes out in a big way and nobody wants to be around when that happens, right? And in the meantime, in the meantime, you've dealt with a week or two or three or months of being sick chronic colds, chronic headaches, bronchitis, allergies, ulcers, stomach aches. When people are going to the doctor over and over and over and over and getting a treatment for something and then something else goes wrong, I start to ask myself, what's going on up here? You're treating all of this and it's just changing spots. It's going from your back to your, your upper back, to your middle back, to your neck, to your head. So why don't we treat what's going on? What's the source of the problem? And with COVID, a lot of this is worry. And it's also anger. And it's also um, blame. And it's also resentment. And lots of judgment. Lots and lots of judgment. 
And so getting back to, you know, taking care of ourselves, which I can't change some of the things that are happening in the world, right? I, I can vote. That's my right. And that's my way to, to make change. But at the end of the day, I don't, I have very little control over you and what you do, what anybody other than me can do or will do. And so internally regulating is so very important. I also only surround myself with people who contribute to my health. I don't want to be around people who are not contributing to my health. So if there are negative people out there and I'm not talking about if you want to eat a hamburger and French fries, I do that regularly, by the way, if you want to eat a hamburger and French fries while I'm over here eating a salad, that didn't bother me that, that I can deal with. But if you're sitting over there and you're talking hatred and resentment and negativity and bigotry and things that don't match with my value system, I'm not going to sit there with you because that's not healthy for me. Right. Um, now, if you have a different opinion, we can have a conversation about opinions. That's totally fine. But I don't need to be around negative energy. Same way. I don't need to be around secondhand smoke. Um, you know, all the COVID stuff that's going on right now, those of you, if you're on this call and you're smoking, now's the time to figure out a way to stop. And there are plenty of people out there to help with that. There's hypnosis, there's patches, there's counseling, there's NLP. There's plenty of people out there to help you stop smoking if you want to stop smoking. But it is one of the leading problems with the whole respiratory illness. It's probably one of the reasons we in Oklahoma are having more problems with it. If you look at our health status from a national level where we rank in terms of health, we are way down there, guys. We're not good. And so it makes sense that we're going to have a, a negative effect to COVID, right? It just makes sense. So we've got to keep our bodies healthy to fight this off. Um, but our minds are equally as important, right? Our minds I'm going to contend are the source of the physical problems. And if you're not sure about that, do some reading on that. If you're, if your confirmation bias is saying, yeah, Nikki's whacked out, um, you know, then it won't do you any good to do any reading. Um, <laughs> because you'll just go find stuff that matches up with your belief system. I have a tendency to try to read a mixture of stuff to make myself think, gosh, why do I believe this? And why do I believe that? Um, so question from earlier was, does Dr. Noel uh, Williams see Medicare patients? I do not know the answer to that. I'm, I, I really don't know the answer to that. I would look him up online um, and just see Optimal Health Associates. I know he has himself and two other physicians in that practice. And so uh, I would check with him. Um, there's also another doctor uh, that here in Oklahoma City, uh, uh, Karen Ross and her husband, his last name is Wilson. Um, Karen Ross is not taking new patients, but Dr. Wilson is a geriatrician. Um, they have a really good practice as well. I would recommend them uh, also. Um, and I, I know there are good physicians out there, you guys. It's not that, that these are the only ones. I'm just saying there are so many doctors that are not, they're not reading articles and looking at preventative things. They're not. They're treating the problem that comes in. They're not trying to help people boost their immune system. So go on and, and do a little research there. And again, if you need help from Naomi, she can help you find um, the, uh, 
videos and the podcasts and things like that. Um, other questions, I appreciate the comment. Uh, Emily, thank you for this conversation. You just, uh, great, help me rebalance and reflect. Yeah, absolutely, rebalance and reflect. You can type into the Q&A or you can, um, you can absolutely type into the chat as well. And I don't really have a way to let people um, shout out by phone. So if one of the sponsors, I know some of the sponsors are on the call. If you guys have something you want to add, um, please feel free to let us know and I'll unmute you. Uh, we'll give it a few minutes for everybody's uh, questions to pop up there. That gives me an opportunity to take a drink of coffee. I'll tell you what, um, real quick while uh, the sponsors are typing in, Betty uh, Jackson t post or said in her participant survey that she sent back, uh, we asked about future programming, any topics that you would like to see and why. And um, I think it says more sci-fi. And Betty, if you're on the, on the line, let us know. Uh, that topic is more interesting and causes less stress than the pandemic. So in other words, we offered this uh, topic to try to educate people about the pandemic. And by the way, uh, we scheduled this topic about three months ago, like we planned on doing it, you know, and so we put it on the schedule. And in that time, in that time, we're all sick of it, right? Like Curtis and I at Arvest were talking and he said, you know, we, it sounded like a good idea at the time, but now we're all so sick of talking about COVID that it's like we'd rather just talk about something else. Um, thank you. Uh, let's see here. Oklahoma Aging Healthy Initiative offers Zoom exercise classes. That's great. Um, I don't know how to access that. Is that something you want to type in for us? Is that a uh, do you just type in Oklahoma Aging Healthy Initiative, or is that through a specific site? If you have that information, feel free to type it into the uh, Q&A, and now we can get that out to everybody. I know that the Healthy Living Center is also um, still doing uh, classes. I think they're restricting the numbers, but they're still doing them. Oh, thank you for that. Okay, so it's O-A-H-I. Oklahoma Aging Healthy Initiative, OAHI.com. So jump in there and, uh, you know, it's so hard to exercise at home, but if you're doing it with a group, um, it can be really helpful, right? To know that, hey, I'm gonna show up, even if it's on Zoom, I'm gonna set my computer or my phone up and I'm just gonna do it. Um, I think that can be really helpful, especially if you're kind of self-isolating, if you're not going out a lot. Um, I had a couple of people tell me, uh, oh, and I, I should probably address this. Somebody asked me to address this when Naomi was calling people and I, I totally forgot. Um, so I put a, a, a an op-ed, if you will, a commentary that ran in the paper um, back in August, I think August 26th or something like that, uh, about um, independent living communities and were communities really treating people that live there independently? Like were they 
treating them like children and not letting them do things or were they treating them like adults and letting them make their own decisions and i got a lot of positive feedback from that article i got lots of thank yous and appreciation from people in our audience and people who read it i got a little pushback from some of the communities and i and with good in good with good reason um some of the communities out there and i'm talking about independent living so we're not talking about assisted or nursing where people have nurses in their apartments I'm talking about independent living. And uh, my comment was that, you know, that they, sh they shouldn't be locked in or locked out. Like there should be, if you're an independent person, you should be able to come and go as you please. And um, some of the communities pushed back and said, you know, we do have that ability for some of our, uh, for our residents and, and our residents are, they're getting to come and go um, with some restrictions, right? With, um, People can't come into the community because they're restricting the number of people that could possibly bring COVID into their community. Totally fair enough, got that. Um, the question mark was, can the people who live there leave and go do something and come back? And early on in the pandemic, actually when I wrote the article, um, it didn't get published till about a month later, which again, time is everything. Um, there were a lot of communities not letting people leave. And if they left, they would come back and they had to stay in the apartment for 14 days and they couldn't, they couldn't leave the apartment. And if they did leave the apartment uh, and had been told they couldn't, then they were receiving notices of contract termination from their uh, community operator. And I just, I, I think that's completely not okay. Um, so Spanish Cove, uh, which we have several clients that live there, I uh, got several letters back from them saying, no, we are not being treated like children. We are able to come and go. Um, we, they live in apartments that are like eight units per building. So they're able to come and go a little bit easier because they don't, they don't live all under one roof where you might affect um, a larger group of people. Now, that said, there, there are people still taking precautions. Not everybody's going out, um, but there's still, you know, limitations to who can come in to the community. But there are communities out there uh, that the residents are not coming and going, some by choice, but some by mandate. So if you're looking into senior living communities, that's an, it's a very important question to ask even if you're planning to move two or three years from now, some of you, you know, have gone on our bus tours and you've done the, the different things with our bus tours and we've given you questions to ask. <laughs> well, guess what? Those questions are going to be revised. Um, and so those revisions uh, will include what happens in the case of a pandemic or what happens if the state legislature puts a stay at home order in place. What is your company's policy? What is your operations policy? And I, by the way, all these communities are having to create those, right? Because this was new to them too. So uh, they're having to kind of, you know, in the moment make decisions that are in the best interests of the people who live there. And the other letters I received, um, I received one uh, from Concordia from one of our clients there who said, you know, we're pretty restricted. Um, but I'm feeling safe, right? So again, this goes back to personalities. So me as an individual, if I'm, I, my dad always used to say, Nikki's going to do whatever she wants to do and suffer the consequences because I'm a risk taker. And so I'm going to take more risks than others. And so some communities are going to be more appropriate for me. 
I have a friend, actually a coworker, who is very cautious, uh, very careful, um, very reserved, doesn't take as many risks. She may or may not be as comfortable with the same choices as I am. That's the beauty of the diversity of community options that we have. And that's why I always say to people, don't just say, I'm going to go to one place and make a decision because there are so many different options. I will tell you one of the advantages that people have had with COVID um, that are living in a community setting is that they're not having to go out if they don't choose um, to have meals and things like that. They're being delivered to them. So there are some absolute benefits. They have um, a group of people around them if they should need them. And they're just, um, there are some people who are absolutely loving it and there are some people who decided this is not for them during this time. So a, a lot of people are really rethinking their living arrangements because if you're at home right now and you are not and you're scared, let's say you live by yourself and you're scared to be there by yourself knowing that something might happen, then a community setting is going to be better even if you aren't able to come and go, right? It's Again, there is no right or wrong. And that, I hope that's what my article conveyed um, in the paper. I tried to be as, uh, you know, non-judgmental as possible. Um, but again, confirmation bias. Some people read it and they go, that's not us. That's not who we are. And well, the article wasn't about you then. <laughs> the article was about somebody else because I will tell you right here, I have one of my participant surveys that came back that says we were treated like children. And then there's an update as of 829 that says big changes now treating us like adults. So, you know, I don't know, maybe my article in the paper caught somebody's attention. There's lots of things being circulated on caregivers with compromise. But the key, I want you to take this away. Uh, thank you, Robert. OHAI.com. Uh, OHAI.com. I want you to take this one thing away from, from this whole conversation. Our mental attitude matters. Our feelings matter, how we express our feelings matter, and how we think matters. And if you think that COVID is only affecting us if we get the disease, if you think that it's simply a matter of a, of a virus that if we get it, we're gonna be negatively affected, then you've missed the entire message, right? So take account of your emotions, do some journaling, do some writing, write in your devotional if that's what you like to do. Um, and then I would say if you are somebody that's really struggling or you feel like you need a place to express yourself, you can always call us. Um, myself, Shannon, Lori, Chris, um, Naomi, we're all happy, happy, happy to be that sounding board that you might need. And I guarantee you all of the sponsors that are on our list, um, every single one of them is that type of person. And they're more than happy to just hear you out. If you need to vent, vent. If you need a resource, get a resource. Um, but at the very, very least, make sure you have a support system in place. And if we're that support system, then that's perfect. We're happy to be that. If you have a family member that's a support system or a church family, then that's great too. But make sure that you have that and then now, after today, I hope that every time you read an article, look at a, a video, see a picture on Facebook, see the news, I hope you'll ask yourself the question, 
what is the filter that I'm filtering this through, right? Am I filtering this through my, what I learned as a kid? Am I filtering it through a life experience? Am I filtering it through my political beliefs, my faith beliefs? How am I filtering this? And how does it apply to me? Or better yet, does it apply to me? Or can I disregard it entirely? Okay. Thank you guys for coming. And I hope this was beneficial to you. And if nothing else, um, maybe something a little different to talk about than the medical side of things. But um, I look forward to seeing you next month. We are going to do the truth about technology for seniors. Don't know for sure exactly how that's going to look, but we're going to talk about how to be online safely, some of the things to look for uh, to avoid viruses and scams both, um, some of the ways to use technology to help you, so like ordering online, how to use some of the apps that are out there that could be helpful. So um, if, you're, if you're interested in that topic, we would love to have you um, in the session. And um, I don't know, exa again, exactly how that's going to look, but it'll be great nonetheless. We look forward to seeing you and hopefully in person. Naomi will let you know. Thanks, guys. <laughs>